3: It's Jim Kramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action.
1: Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Cantanillo with Jim Kramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is at Citigroup headquarters today. He'll have an exclusive with CEO Jane Frazier later on this hour. In the meantime, pre-market trying to hold yesterday's rally as Fed Chair Powell heads to the Senate for day two. Another round of talks in progress between Russia and Ukraine. But meanwhile, as you just heard, oil is backing off this morning's high of 116, the highest since 08. Our roadmap begins with Fed Chair Powell calming some rate hike fears. Futures look to extend yesterday's rally. City shares are under some pressure. David will sit down exclusively with Frazier, pitching her growth strategy to transform that company. And Snowflake shares tumbling on slowing revenue growth and the guidance, although in line, we'll talk to Jim about it, uh, disappoints. We'll begin with market volatility though, after the rally yesterday, Jim, it really started the moment Powell endorsed 25 and we never looked back.
3: Right, well, one of the things that Powell did wrong When he first came in was he talked about automatic lockstep and he just said we're not going to be an auto autopilot i thought that was the most important thing not the 25 basis because what that says is okay look big bad event i just took it out we're not going to say anything that makes it so that you're going to be thinking every month we're going to have them there's a bunch of people who came on our air and said that which then gave a lot of analysts cover to be able to come out today i mean i've never read so many positive notes at some weird moment at the beginning of March, then this morning, everybody's out saying, listen, you got to buy them. So the future's even turned just on the analyst notes. Yeah. city upgrading U.S. and spe- spe- specifically tech. I thought that was a great upgrade because they basically said, look, the multiple shrinkage is now over. We've got the Fed doing what it's going to do. Things have really come down. And we're going to talk about Snowflake. So buy. It was a very significant note. It turned around a lot of the semis.
1: Uh, and then, of course, the squad gang was just talking about oil a moment ago. Uh, there is some speculation that an Iranian deal could happen within, say, 72 hours.
3: Well, that's a very interesting call. I've got Rick Moncrief, who I think is the dean of the group now. He's the CEO of Devon, uh, is talking about how, look, we're just making so much money, but we've got to figure out whether to be disciplined. So I think, David, I know that you are at a place where they have an international perspective. Maybe... Uh, Jane Frazier is able to talk about what's going on in the world because she has got the most far-flung uh, network, say, of all the banks.
0: Yeah, uh, Citi does. And we'll talk a bit about Russian exposure, although, frankly, it's fairly minimal in terms of the percentage of their assets, 0.3 percent. Uh, not the main focus for us here at Citi headquarters when we get uh, started with uh, Jane later in the hour. Jim, you know, when it comes to banks, actually, I think it's the European banks. And I assume you've been hearing the same that people are a bit concerned about. Uh, for any number of reasons, and obviously even the Swiss banks. And you, know, you go after all those oligarchs. I don't know what their assets look like, but they got to be coming down fast. And I don't know what the liability side of their balance sheet looks like, but they owe that money to somebody.
3: Yeah, it is a used yacht, used yacht problem. Although I'm told by the, in the used yacht market, believe it or not, they held up. Now, I, I wish I were being facetious, but France, it obviously is a major issue.
1: France this morning uh, seized the yacht of the Rosneft right. uh, oligarch. Um, and a lot of them were parked in the Maldives, which doesn't have an extradition treaty.
3: No, the Maldives are really caught. They're really caught between Romania and Ukraine, and they know that Russia at any moment could, could uh, uh, invade them, so they've been holding off. But I, I think that, look, there's no doubt about it that David's right. There's, people are trying to describe a 2011 situation where we have all these banks in Europe that are really kind of struggling, and they sell all our banks. That turned out to be a terrible call. The banks over there are far more—well, no, we're more ins, uh, insulated from Europe than any— like, I, I think Santander is very interesting down here, uh, I, I, but not Credit Suisse. They have historically been not great in these—not Deutsche Bank. But, I, you know, i got to tell you, Carl, what the hell are we doing selling some of the brokerage stocks here because of what's going over there? And that's just the ETFization that we've had to deal with because the big firms just insist on doing ETFs because they need to make money. It's a, not a con game. But we should expose it for what it is. People putting together baskets in order to make a little extra money.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to talk to David in a second here about Citi, which, by the way, uh, gets some negative calls out today out of KBW and Atlantic on expenses, on the prolonged outlook for uh, uh, for better returns, on Russia exposure, on selling Mexico.
3: Yeah, David, the notes today make it so that you feel that the tangible book value of Citi – Uh, is maybe, um, I'm not saying overstated because that would be wrong, but maybe uh, too aggressive. How about that? And David, I've got to tell you, this bank, people keep saying it's cheap, but it's always been cheap. What can she do to close the gap?
0: Well, whatever it is that Jane Frazier is going to do is going to take time. And that was, I think, a clear part of the presentation yesterday uh... it ended up being a virtual investor day originally was uh, scheduled to be in person but jim you know that may have been what was something of a disappointment the three to five year time frame for getting to that eleven to twelve percent rtc uh... at the same time during the course of the day yesterday as you know the stock did start to recover as each of the managers made presentations in their particular areas uh... and so perhaps a bit more confidence but uh... we're gonna have an opportunity to talk through a lot of this to your point uh... you know maybe you don't think book value is quite where it is but right now a lot of analysts have it at 75 percent of book value But it's been trading below book for a long time and that is one of the challenges here is to sort of either get those investors who've been there a long time and who like had enough to exit and really try and start to build a new investor base based on the promises that were made yesterday
3: well you need to see major buyback david and i've got to tell you three to five years that kind of reminds me, Carl, of the Morgan Stanley downgrade of Intel today mm-hmm. to sell. Why? Wide open, multiple years that they have to try to catch up. Multiple year doesn't hit. You know, I don't want multiple year. I want multiple quarters, and then I'm OK. And even there, American Eagle Outfitters, which is owned by my Chapel trust, they're talking about multiple quarters, and I don't have time for that. I don't. I don't.
1: Because there are too many other There's better too, options yeah. in the I shorter mean, well, term.
3: Look, uh, we're going to win a Super Bowl. Give us five years. No, you don't have that luxury. You got a quarter, two quarters. David, we don't have time for multiple years. We're we're in this. We're in the here well, maybe, and now, maybe. David.
0: Well, is that just because we're old? Do you mean that we don't have time, Jim, or uh, well, we're running out of time no, in that we're way, in or pa- you mean we're just in general impatient. investors have no patience?
3: In- investors have no patience and. <laughs> We certainly don't have any patience for um, City, which continues to make miscues, David, over and over. The Mexican yeah. miscue. I mean, what is? They, I mean, I, I don't understand that at all.
0: Uh, well, listen, those were confronted yesterday in a very significant way, I think, and I thought that was an interesting part of of the investor day. And again, we'll have that opportunity to talk it over with Jane. But when it comes to a lack of patience, Jim, what, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. So. Uh, I know we're going to talk about um, Snowflake in, in a little bit, but so these high multiple stocks don't people don't seem to have a lot of patience for any longer either, uh, even with only 25 basis points promised now by the Fed chair in, in uh, very soon. Uh, but the prospect, oh, I yeah. guess, of I don't even know how many how many rate hikes will will come during the course of the rest of the year.
3: Well, We are seeing a, a bifurcation. Octa, Viva. You know, I had Okta on last night. Todd McKinnon. Uh, just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight, nine price target lowerings because why? Because they're actually losing more money than we thought. Now, Snowflake's harder because they have a different kind of accounting. It's straightforward accounting, but you can't really pin down Snowflake as doing badly. They did have a January that wasn't that good, but I would tell you, and Carl, I know Frank Slootman for many, many years. Snowflake's a buy because the actual progression of margins is what you need to look at, and the net retention, which is over 170%, which is extraordinary. It does sell at 25 times sales, which is high, but it did sell at 100 times sales. This is not Zoom, which sold at 50 times sales and then ends up telling at 12 times earnings. This is a real company with real growth, still perhaps the best. Uh, He did guide down to 68% growth. I think that's going to be under promise, and he will over
1: deliver. Yeah, it sort of gets us back to... Uh, the the method of guidance in this particular tape, and that is, what's the upside of over-promising right now?
3: Zero. Yeah, there's no upside now. Box underpromised, and Aaron you know, Levy, and then he, he overdelivered, and Box is flying. But yeah, I urge people to, to listen to Frank, and what Frank and what he says. He's got a business model that is, by the way, you kind of rent the cloud. So unlike Mark Benioff, where you give $100 million to the beginning of the year and it's ratable, he has to deal with customers that uh, are, they come and go, but he hasn't really lost anybody. So I think that Snowflake yeah, being but, for sale is an opportunity. What, David, Snowflake, right. this is Frank Slootman we're talking no, about, I, David. This isn't some hack. I understand. I understand. I know. But you liked it yesterday. You liked it
0: higher. And saying something's down from 100 times sales to 25 is not necessarily a great endorsement, Jim. I mean, it could easily go to 10 times sales. Why not?
3: Well, OK, I'm on, I'll, I'll play that game. I, David, earlier I said that Jane Frazier, I was not going to give her time because I think that there's structural issues. I'm willing to give Frank Slootman time because every time I've given time in the last 15 years, he's paid off. But you're absolutely right. My charitable trust does not own it because I feared that it was selling at too high a multiple, but not anymore. Now I'm looking, trying to figure out whether this belongs in a charitable trust. Carl, when you see some of these stocks under a discount, and they have actual margins getting better. And you, you Now, look, Snowflake, I mean, let's, let's deal with some reality here. What did Snowflake do? Okay, over and over and over again, the quarters have been better and better and better. They were negative 105% on the margins three years ago. Then they were negative 38 two years ago. Then they were negative three last year. And now they're positive five in the fourth quarter. They have an earnings breakout coming, and people don't see it. Why don't they see it? Because they are impatient.
1: Would you say the same thing about Splunk,
3: which, by the way, oh, oh Gary Steele crushes okay, Gary Steele. Uh, okay, so first of all, Proofpoint. Gary Steele has been on Mad Money. I don't know a dozen times. He took Proofpoint from a second-rate email security to being one of the great cybersecurity companies. He comes into Splunk, buys Splunk. Great quarter. And Gary Steele, Gary Steele's a great turnaround artist. He's a great operator. David, sometimes, sometimes you have to, this is why I did it with Sleutman, sometimes you have to say that the CEOs deliver. And it's in tech that we feel that way. By the way, Pat Gelsinger, he was right after the UK, Ukraine ambassador.
0: You give, him your, you give him your nice guy. I know, Pat Gelsinger. He gets the nice guy. Um, extremely he stood, nice guy. He got a nice applause. Yeah. $100 billion. He he took so his I'm still waiting for that billion. number.
3: He went from billion. $20 billion to yeah, billion. How, about, how about $200 billion. Billion? I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But he is, he's really so nice. So let's just knock off the criticism, okay? Just knock it off. Like my Nana Mary. If you don't know, have anything good to say, don't say it. Yeah.
1: Uh, we, we, it's a uh, One day you're going to start upside. feeling better
0: about Intel. Yeah.
1: You know. I used to be an Intel-a-Hawk. I'm recovered. Well, and now we've got this Apple event coming up on the 8th. And who knows what they'll say about a new M chip, right, Jim? Is they go further vertical on semis?
3: Well, I got to tell you, I just think that there was a note today about Corvo, saying that Corvo may not make the quarter uh, because there's a Chinese glut. And I think about that, and I was at Bar San Miguel last night, and the, I don't like Corvo, and I don't like Corvo. <laughs> they like, both are. Oh, Corvo? They're both cheap, <laughs> cheap booze.
1: We'll take a break here. Uh, There's a lot to get to. Obviously, we'll get to Best Buy. Do a little bit more on what uh, Frank Sloobin told Jim last night about snow on Mad Money. Oil has really turned on some of these uh, speculative reports about a potential Iranian deal. And of course, we got Powell coming up on the Senate side in about 45 minutes. Don't go away. The mood to the market is a little foul right now for, uh, you know, for good reasons. Um, but, you know, uh, a quarter is a, is a single mile marker in the marathon. Let, let's not get too excited here. Uh, we're in the beginning innings of an enormous opportunity and transformation uh, in, in the economy. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a blip on the radar, uh, you know, pretty soon.
2: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right?
1: Shares of Best Buy are up in the pre-market. Quarterly earnings in line. Revenues and comps missed. They were hurt by some supply chain and Omicron issues. Company also announces this div hike, 26%. Jim, a $5 billion buyback. Uh,
3: uh, Corey Barry's doing some amazing things, the CEO there. And one of the things I really like, I know short-term, uh, $16.3 million, uh, billion versus sixteen point five. Forget that. What matters here is a tremendous buyback five billion dollars that that's a huge percentage of the company uh, they really it's a dividend hike of 26 percent i am using as dave coston did today from goldman really look at these dividend hikes now that we know what the fed's going to be up to uh, the I, I think that she has this thing on a long-term growth path that says buy you just buy it uh, because very few people have a 2020 calendar 2024 outlook she has it. Most people are afraid of giving anything more than a quarter outlook. This stock should be bought. I, I think that she's in there buying it. You should be in there buying it. It's a very impressive long-term view.
1: What, what, why are we seeing uh, so much retail weakness? Again, in specialty, AEO, Burl, BJ, all going to open down big
3: tonight. Right. Well, AEO is uniquely um, disappointing to me. Uh, they, they use Vietnam and Vietnam and COVID. They couldn't get stuff in time for Christmas, so they ended up flying it in, it cost them $80 million. They're spending a fortune on an infrastructure project that I don't think is necessarily paying off. They talked about having to be promotional because they have too much inventory. Uh, and they said the first half is going to be miserable. Now, all of that together put together says... What the hell did I buy this thing for, for my trust? And the answer is not the dividend, but because I thought they'd put this together. And it's just plain out disappointing. And their arrogance in the call of not acknowledging any of this, I thought was shameful. Hmm. Just shameful. I mean, who do they think they are?
1: Uh, Do you think we're going to have real consumer weakness? You think all those, that inventory is going to have to be marked down? I mean, in aggregate. I think
3: that, no, no. I mean, look, if you knew what you were doing, like Costco, like Rich Galanti, who's the CFO, runs the call. If you knew what you were doing, you ordered correctly and you got it. If you didn't know what you were doing and you sourced from Vietnam, I know Gary Friedman's been having some problems source sourcing Vietnam. They did not get COVID right. Uh, and you sourced from Vietnam and it was on the boat. Then you couldn't put it on the boat. You put it on the plane. Put it on the plane, it cost too much. You missed the season, and now you're stuck with inventory, even though Airy is doing very well. And I happen to like their stuff. I got a big box of it in my closet, waiting to give it to my daughter at some point. But uh, I... I, I, this was one of those calls. It was otherworldly. I mean, when you go out there and you say, "Listen, yo, we're going to miss the first first half," and, and you kind of congratulate yourself, what the heck are you thinking? I, I, this was. I, I'm putting this in the. I, you know, look, this guy's coming nearing the wall of shame. If they blow it in the second half of next year, then this year, yeah. wall of shame. And that's that's reserved usually for things like ATT, where someone said catalyst buy. Yes, did you yes. see that? I wish David were on in this block, because well, I would have to say David. will be back,
1: but Morgan Stanley. Morgan, yeah, St- yeah. Morgan
3: Stanley saying a lot of notes. Yeah, yeah, yes, they wrote they a lot. And of course, business. Jonas wrote 43 notes. Does he ever? He's like, who is he? He's like you know Edgar Allan Poe. He's got like a little poem every night.
1: Some of them are just uh, transcripts of fireside chats. Aren't they?
3: Yes. I tried to get one of the fireside chats, and do you know that their compliance blocked me? interesting yeah isn't that something we'll get you th- we'll get you it th- was going to be virtual i don't know i mean i felt like lighting the whole thing <laughs> on fire put a little gasoline on that fire
1: we will get david back this morning because uh he's got an exclusive as we said with city's jane fraser we've also got cleveland fed president loretta mester and exxon's darren woods as we see uh, crude oil come off of the uh, early morning highs take one more look here at the pre-market as we uh brace for Powell day two in a moment more squawk on the street after a break Time now for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. Kroger's going to open at a 52-week high.
3: Some people thought that Rodney McMullen, the CEO, was too nice. People said that. People said he was too folksy. People said he was too at home. Every one of those is working. Everything he did is paying off. He has turned out to have a supermarket that uniquely is used to cook at home. And it's an exciting place to go. I've got to hand it to him. Now, the Kroger number, 91 versus 72, compare that to the BJ's number. I'm not gonna compare it to American Eagle Alphabetism to upset. Um, and then a two-year stack of digital, 113%. Kroger is just cooking with propane. And I really wanna congratulate McMullen because you know when I first time he laid it out to me, he laid out the vision, I said, Wow, oh, nice guy. You know, I made, but I usually, when I say nice guy, that's usually bad. Yes. No, nice guy, good. This guy's a nice guy, finished first story. By the way, this is a supermarket chain. Unlike Albertsons, where they're like worried they can't get their multiple up, well, how about you offer what he's doing? Cook at home, staying, got staying power.
1: Why, why, is this, why is this working thematically when the whole environment we're in is people going out? COVID, Google searches going to post-pandemic lows?
3: Well, I think that some of it is is that he's made it so that you feel like it's your local Kroger. They put some local stuff in, Cincinnati-based. But fo- that's why I say folksy. Uh, I just think that what, he's, what Rodney's doing has made it a much more exciting place to go. It reminds me, by the way, of the Reading Terminal in Philadelphia, where you just say, wow, you know what, here's a steak sandwich, here's this, that. And it, it worked. I thought it was pie in the sky. Not unlike Target, when he said, listen, we're going to have five different kinds of Target. And by the way, Brian Cornell, another nice guy. What's it with the nice guys finishing first, Carl? What is this
1: about? It sort of uh, collides with the Domino's story this week as well, right? And that is you exit the pandemic. You want to bring some of that with you.
3: Yeah. Domino's
1: um, hasn't been able to.
3: I've been speaking to the, texting to the new CEO of Domino's. And I think I have to have the pizza no cheese uh, with banana peppers tonight because the quarter's got to get better.
1: We're going to watch Kroger, of course, and some of the other consumer names as we get the opening bell, followed by David's exclusive with Citi and Jane Frazier. We're back in a moment.
3: We're never on autopilot, obviously. Uh, and at a time like this, what we aim to do is lay out our principles and then, with whatever clarity we do have, and then proceed to implement them, those policies carefully and nimbly. I do think it will be appropriate to raise our target range for the federal funds rate at the March meeting in a couple of weeks. And I'm inclined to propose and support a 25 basis point rate hike. I
1: asked the Fed chair yesterday during the House Financial Services hearing, talking about 25 in March, which he would be inclined to propose and support. He did say that it runs hot and inflation runs hotter. You could be more aggressive. Uh, and that's why the CPI, the next CPI print
3: is going to be key. Absolutely. And also wages tomorrow. Now, can I just say that when Powell speaks, people should start thinking that this man is far better. He's a bit of. Now, when we used to have Greenspan would speak and he would try to befuddle us, this is the opposite. He gives you great clarity. He makes you feel like, you know what, it's under control. Uh, he even handles any question about transitory. They try to get him, they do rope a dope, you know. Uh, and and uh, unlike Frazier, who went down to Ali, he's more Ali. He really uh, he does sting like a, a bee. And <laughs> why he does that is because if you get into his crosshairs and saying he didn't get it right, he says, well, why can't I still get it right? And all these people say he's behind the curve. That man was not behind the curve. That man was a guy who was very thoughtful about COVID, very thoughtful about what's going to happen in the world. And by the way, including Russia. Yeah, Uh,
1: that's exactly what he said. Um, We knew we could be wrong. And I always thought we could pivot pretty quickly and catch up. Um, In the meantime, the economy healed quickly. We know what our job is now, which is to move away from these highly accommodative settings. He's like, we gave it a chance. Uh, And, And it didn't work. And so we move on.
3: Right. I mean, why, he does something that most—he's not a politician. He basically said, look, I got it wrong. So he's not afraid of YouTube, where we just endlessly do a TikTok, you know, or YouTube TikTok about, I got it wrong, I got it—no. And I just thought it was pure joy, because what he said is, here's what we did, here's why we have to pivot, move on with your life. We got it under control. And I think a lot of people come on our show and they want to talk about it endlessly. i say that I have one word for them. Stop. He told you what's going to happen, and now go buy stocks. Let's uh,
1: start by getting the opening bell and the CNBC real time exchange at the big board today. It's ICL Group, a specialty minerals company celebrating its 30th listing anniversary at the NASDAQ. It's Wise Key, a cybersecurity and NFT Cyber- platform.
3: Oh man. oh, man. Okay. Look, I, I, I want to go back and, and talk about why I like Splunk. Splunk is cybersecurity, but Splunk's also a company that gives you a Great dashboard analysis, of how you're doing? And my fear is 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 that uh, that it was leaderless. Okay, Doug Martin left. We still don't know why he left. Uh, if, when you get a guy like like Steele in there, what it says. I am trying to get him on the show tonight. Maybe you can get him on Tech Check. Uh, what he did at Proofpoint was prove people wrong over and over and over again. That's what he's going to do at Splunk. Splunk's a buy, and I've disliked Splunk for a long time.
1: Uh, yeah well we're gonna get a little a little bit move in that direction uh, beginning today given the uh, the, the quarter. Um, interesting uh, we got a lot of travel on the move uh, MGM with a new buyback yes. with uh, some extensions of licenses in Macau. Uh, airlines got an upgrade to Southwest today. Well, I
3: thought that was gutsy. I mean we know that these planes uh, w- look they run on they run on jet fuel for heaven's sake. I don't want to touch those. I do not want to touch the airlines. They're just too di- Why do you have to go there? I mean, when I saw that upgrade, I said, why? Can you just sit on your hands? Why don't you just sit on your hands? Why do you have to say anything? Tell, take a he's got an, guy's on an intellectual vacation. Maybe he should go on a real vacation.
1: You, you think because oil has a more prolonged headwind? Unless, effect?
3: like, maybe he's betting on, maybe he knows about an Iranian deal where they're allowed to have nukes yeah. in return for oil. Yeah. I don't think he has that kind of prescience, frankly.
1: Actually, it's an interesting city. Uh, put on an oil short of December crude back on the 7th of February. Today, they unwind it. They're like, this Ukraine thing has made it too difficult to keep up. Uh, there'll be a better chance to short oil in the coming month.
3: We're seeing some, um, some towels being thrown uh, I happen to think when I hear what Rick Moncrief says tomorrow and Devin at our club call at 1230, if he says, look, we're turning on the Jets, everybody's drilling, take advantage of it, then there is a chance that we go back under, let's say, 100. I'm not banking on it, though. And I'm not banking on Iran to be able to just, you know, just kind of turn on the Jets right, either. Right. I, you know, I, I think people have to recognize that we don't know. Brian Sullivan did this great thing he was like, tracking eight tankers of oil. We don't know where it's going, but one thing we know is we need it.
1: Uh, as, as we get into summer driving season, and by the way, the readout of this phone call this morning between Putin and Macron, uh, according to the wires, French officials saying there was nothing encouraging in what Putin had to say. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I still go back to who Putin thought he was going to liberate Ukraine from. Drug addicts and Nazis. And uh, you know, if you want drug addicts, thank you, thank you, Sacklers, right? Thank you, thank you, Oxycodeine. We had we had a problem with drug addicts. I'm talking about Purdue and Nazis. You know, you go back to Zelensky. He had three uncles who were murdered in the Holocaust. So the Nazi thing doesn't work for me.
1: Not really. Although Jim, energy is the only sector down today.
3: Well, there you go. I mean, people just are anxious to take profits. Go ahead, go sell Chevron stock to Mike Worth. Who could buy up to 25 percent of the company? You know, look, everything can come. It's, it's up on a spike. Uh, maybe you know th- this move is not just Iran. This is a move which says that Putin might go. And I don't see Putin, no, he's, the president for life is, uh, his term, it, it, it would be different. If his term were suspended, it would uh, not be good for him. Right.
1: Speaking of selling shares of the company, how about this deal that John Foley of Peloton has made to sell $50 million worth
3: to a, this Dell-backed and, uh, office. Well, first of all, you never sell to Dell, because then you're selling to a Greg Lemcal and to Michael Dell. Second, you never sell when, uh, when you have Barry McCarthy come in. So I wonder whether John Foley doesn't owe some money. I don't know. We should ask John. I happen to like John very much, and you know why? He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're you're using
1: that with machine gun pattern today. Well, a nice guy. Thing. I like
3: Foley. I mean, I was at a dinner with Foley where he basically said that I was, you know, I, public enemy number one. But then he's added he's joking. You know, right. Joking.
1: <laughs> um, we did get some affirmation of guidance, Jim, out of Honeywell today. Uh, he, Longer all- term guide yep, up.
3: Yep. Now, my travel Trust owns it, owns it forever, and I had some spent some time with Dave Cody recently, who, by the way, is doing a lot more vertive ever since the vertive come down. And uh, he gave me tremendous comfort for Darius. We're talking about Darius at Damchek. If you want a superior industrial that could do better, if you think that the airlines can be filled with new planes and he's got a lot of good businesses and he's always up to one thing. He's got a great buyback. He, could, he has a tremendous firepower. I say my trust owns Honeywell has been buying it right here, but people say, "Hey, well, Jim, you bought it higher and lower. I bought it all over the place. Why? Because I have faith in a damn check. I have faith in a damn check, in Slootman, in Steel. I like certain Corey Barry at Best Buy, McMullen at Kroger. We are seeing an ascendancy of CEOs who know how to be in control. And again, I, I know people want to sell Snowflake. I know people are burying Sloopman. You bury him at your own risk.
1: Uh, yeah, we're, gonna, we're seeing Snowflake, uh, obviously, down at the open. On, on an index level, Jim, 4405 uh, is going to take us all the way back to the 20th of the February.
3: A lot of my smartest guys say this is where we peak and start going down. Really? That we can't penetrate this level. Well, what I do you th- What do you think? I think we're uneven. I think we're hostage to events. Uh, I think that We are no longer in the buy the dips. That just completely failed. But we still could be in the sell some of the rips. Uh, But I'm urging people to not sell oil because you sell oil. What you're betting is we've made a deal with Iran. You can have nuclear power. We'll take your oil. Uh, And and if Biden does that, that's not good for Biden. I think that that's a bad trade off for Biden. Uh,
1: Well, he's under pressure to... Block Russian oil imports, and he's going to be under pressure because retail gas is going to go to four.
3: Yeah, people right? are asking me why did this happen? Okay, so we built all these refineries to handle heavy crude, which was coming from Canada by via Keystone. Yeah. So we block Keystone, so we have the wrong refineries. We are we are moving our light crude to Europe and other places uh, because that we don't have that refinery capacity, and we're taking Russian and other bad crude and fixing it. In our, it's, a, it's a mismatch caused by the uh, uh, by the wrong refineries. And People like people stop me. Says Jim, is it true that we're taking Russian oil? Well, we didn't this. We didn't in February, but we did take four hundred thousand uh, barrels a day in December. Right.
1: And That's not a lot given total consu- consumption.
3: No, and but- Mike Worth was saying, look, it's all fungible where it comes from. But yeah. you have to understand, we built refineries to handle Canadian crude, and then we didn't build the f- pipeline to do it. It's kind of like in Poltergeist when they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the bodies. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, It sort of reminds us of what Germany said today about their own uh, nat gas costs have now gone 2x. Um, And if you look at the the spread, Jim, between two years in Europe and here, it's the widest since uh, early 2020.
3: Predicted by Sharif Suki, the man. Who uh, built Chenier and is now building Teluria, And that's a very speculative stock. Be careful. It does need some uh, money in order to be able to build out. We do not have enough build out. We can ship up to 12, uh, you know, 12 million. Well, it's a unit that we have to sell uh, to Europe. Uh, that but a lot of it's already been committed to Korea, to China. We can't help them other than sending our liquefied natural gas to Poland. Right. We don't have enough we don't but, have enough space. But doesn't
1: it set up a scenario where our central bank has clearance to hike and the ECB does not? Yes. And and the sort of what Absolutely. asymmetry that will build in?
3: Yes, our 12 billion BCF, we also have enough natural gas to light up the country. And the only reason why we're sending, by the way, we sent a lot of Russian crude to Boston because we don't have a, we can't get the pipelines there because it's been blocked by the environmentalists. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm saying if you want to know why Russian crude is here, it's because we don't have pipelines to where we thought we were going to. But we have so much natural gas. Mike Worth, by the way, has enough natural gas in Marcellus to take care of our, our uh, heating needs. Uh, if you just
1: look at the list of losers this morning, uh, Defense once again, yeah. and a lot of energy-related names. Uh, SLB, uh, Oxy's in there. I mean, looking at the tape, you would you would think the market's optimistic about some near-term resolution.
3: It sure does. Now remember, we at the State of the Union, we did not hear Biden talk about arming the arming Ukraine with with our classic missiles that we have, including the excellent Javelin, which can wipe out a, a tank rather easily. Tanks are no longer invincible. But I also think that. Uh, you know, this, this rumor of, of, of Iran just shows you that when you have a parabolic move for oil, not unlike what we had in August of 1990 when uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, that it, on day three of that invasion, you had oil starting to come down. It was really interesting.
1: You think it's related to, I mean, and again, a lot of this is just fog of war reporting, but the way in which their convoy is stalled north of Kiev, where it's very muddy, Right. Uh, they don't have great tires. It means they have to take the roads, which limits a lot of Putin's they, options.
3: The rainy season isn't supposed to be to the fall. Yep. So uh, Putin got that wrong too. He got the weather wrong. I mean, he needs. Uh, so Al Roker the other day talking about, you're no longer just like a stand-up guy. He, he needed a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. He got a, he got Dylan wrong. But I, look, I think that everything that Putin has done so far is wrong. And by the way, when you uh, hit civilian, uh, when you hit hospitals. We do have Facebook now. A lot of the armchair generals say, "You know, war is not won by Facebook." That's a mistake. Is that when Switzerland, which is historically rogue, every you know, Switzerland no problem Switzerland. with Nazis. Yeah, but you know, they had no problem with Nazis and and their bank accounts, but not Russians. No,
1: and more companies pulling out today. MSCI stocks, Deutsche Borse. London Stock Exchange and others. Um, takes us to City this morning. As we said, uh, David's at City Headquarters with Jane Frazier. Hey David.
0: Hey Carl, that's right. Uh, not too far from you guys at the New York Stock Exchange, but very happy to be here at City's headquarters at 388 Granite Street and be joined by its CEO Jane Fraser. Nice to see people walking around in the background as well. Jane, I've been in the building not that long ago and it was quite different and i'm sure nice for you as well thank you for having us here
4: oh thank you so much and yes it is it's wonderful to feel the vibrancy and and life back in new york city yes again.
0: a little bit of life uh, well yesterday as well you had an important day which was your investor day you've been in the job for one year um, somewhat muted response from at least the analyst community to what you presented yesterday uh... a long road for improved returns patience required Um, Are you happy with sort of the response that you've gotten? Is that the message you wanted to send, that this is going to take time?
4: Yes, I'm I'm very positive about the response we got. Uh, What we wanted to do yesterday was provide clarity uh, to our investors, to the street about the vision we have for city, the strategy, uh, and our, pl- our execution plan. Uh, and I think yesterday was successful in, in, in achieving that. We've been hard at work for a year, so it's a culmination of the work of a year and be able to provide that Simply, straightforwardly, um, and we will now focus on executing.
0: Well, executing is obviously going to be the key. But you know, uh, there are those who say a three to five years to get to an eleven to twelve percent ROTCE is longer than we might have thought. What do you say to those who question whether the timeline perhaps is going to be a bit too long? and try the patience of some of your investors.
4: Yeah, I I, I have certainly had big years listening to our investors, and so we've taken a, a big step back when we set the vision, we set the strategy for the firm to be a longer term vision and strategy um, and plan. We've taken a number of bold moves already uh, in terms of the divestures of uh, a number of our uh, historically iconic franchises to really focus City around our core strengths. Um, we've taken strategic bets in businesses that we've got a high confidence and excitement about around growth. But this is an organic growth strategy. It will take time. And I want to be completely transparent and realistic around what it's going to take. Um, and it is going to take a few years for us to achieve the medium term targets. I absolutely aspire for higher returns. Uh, and uh, I'm confident we'll get that in the longer run. But right now, I'm focused on the job in hand.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk a bit more about that. But to that idea of at least meeting those targets, you know, I'm reading mm-hmm. a note here from Goldman Sachs. Um, one of the key questions you got this yesterday as well during uh, the presentations Q&A oh, you know the execution of the plan will it be different than four years ago when or five years ago when um, city largely missed most of the original targets set out at a 2017 investor day you know again this idea of why should we believe city now when the company did not deliver on its previous targets yeah.
4: we, we have a very very credible plan uh, it's one that's grounded in a, a simpler city and you can see that we're focused on five core businesses. Our vision goes back to our core competitive strengths and capabilities which is being uh, a, uh, a focused around clients with global needs and being their, um, their trusted partner. We are the preeminent global bank in that respect. So I, I strongly believe in simplicity and focus Um, and so that is that is the bank today it is a simpler bank it is a more focused one Um, it's much going to be much better connected and in addition to that what we've then looked at is as I said yesterday to our investors we took a step back and we looked at what are the different issues that have held us back and we are addressing them full-on
0: Yeah. You were somewhat unsparing in your criticism. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, quoting you, somewhat disadvantaged business mix. Uh, We avoided making some hard decisions. We did not invest enough. How was that received amongst many of the people here who perhaps were here years ago during the course of, of course, some of these mistakes being made?
4: I think the important piece is that we laid out the vision for what we are going to be, um, and it's a realistic one that takes into account what are some of the elements of culture or our operating model investments uh, that we we haven't made enough of, and it laid out the vision of what what the future's going to be because I think that's the most important piece is acknowledging what's held us back, but what are we doing about them, and then where, where are we headed to? So what would be an
0: example of a hard decision that was avoided, that you've confronted head-on, and that you can show as an example of now doing so.
4: The divestiture of our, our consumer businesses in, uh, in in the retail banks in Asia and in Mexico is an ex- is an example of one, or the wind down of our business in Korea. That then enables us to have a much simpler organization structure. It enables us to have a business mix of businesses that fit perfectly well together with a lot of synergies for the shareholders so those decisions are actually enabling us to much better position the bank for the future and to make the investments we need to and make strategic bets that are uh, ones we're, we're excited about we have high conviction behind right
0: now obviously you did say you didn't invest enough and now you would obviously assume we would assume that you think you are investing enough yes. how much more are you going to invest I know just 11 billion in technology alone both for changing the bank and just running the bank.
4: Yes, look at the world today, the scaling up um, and the speed and scale of business is extraordinary. So if I look at our crown jewel business, which is our transaction businesses, so think of payments, liquidity management and working capital for any company. We're double the size of our nearest competitor uh, in terms of serving those companies around the world with our network. Ninety-five countries, people on the ground, knowledge of everything that's going on. We're investing uh, in a capability that will increase our scale by a hundredfold, and that is putting us in a position for the digital age and that scale scale, speed and agility that's required. Those are investments I'm really excited about because as as we've done with City Velocity, City Direct and others, we've led the industry, um, and this will be another example of where we shall do so again.
0: All right, but to the extent there was historical underinvestment, again, something you said, uh, and now you've increased that. It's not to expect, though, that the, there's going to be near-term revenue benefits, right? It's going to take quite some time, isn't it?
4: Um, I, actually, I'm quite optimistic around the revenue benefits that we'll see sooner rather than later on this. And we've got we've got a plan. That's really a question of when, not if, we'll realize the growth that we've laid out. So, if I uh, look at different dimensions of it, we'll get a we will get a recovery in the consumer here in the states. We're seeing enormous growth in the client base that need our global services and capabilities, another growth driver, particularly in the middle market. And we have a commercial bank, 30 different countries around the world, serving these middle market companies who have global needs. And we oh, we see it every day. Look how many born digital players are that are born global at the same time. They need us, they use us, and we had the pleasure of hearing from Google, Flywire, and a number of our clients about how, ce- how central city is so, in it. So I'm beyond, confident.
0: Beyond the bigger ROTCE, which everybody's going to be focused on in terms of quarter to quarter or year to year, what else would you argue? is how you should be held accountable in terms of some of the progress you're talking about being made from these investments.
4: Yes, we laid out yesterday a strategy which will drive financial outcomes, and we laid out a number of the different metrics which will be there. Some of those ones are related to synergies that we realize. How well are we... um, referring clients from our private bank to the commercial bank, how well we're growing clients from the commercial bank up to the corporate bank, what are we doing in terms of cross-selling our services clients um, into our markets capability with foreign exchange. So these synergies are very important ones that we haven't done a stronger job in the past that are examples of the types of metrics you'll see. You'll see ones around revenue growth um, and how well we're doing in terms of acquiring new clients. Wealth management, um, we've, we brought in 400 new advisors last year, despite a pretty hot labor market and talent market out there. Um, how are we doing in translating that into new clients that are joining our platforms? So these are the types of strategic drivers that will give our investors a sense of, is a strategy working? And then will it deliver the financial outcomes right. afterwards? Something else
0: hired is a lot of software engineers. I think you have 30,000 is what yes. you said. What are they all doing?
4: Oh, they are busy coding. Um, so as we as we look at uh, some of the areas we had underinvested in was really our end-to-end processes. So we're making sure that we're digitizing end-to-end our, our processes to cope with that scale that we're talking about, that hundred times scale. Uh, we have them working in putting different capabilities on the cloud, they're helping with data. They're also connecting us to other institutions as being a bank for banks is part of the strategy and the APIs are the key there. Yeah. So they're they're really embedded in the business. They're almost more frontline than they are um, the traditional view of a technology. software
0: engineers, probably most of them are not in this building. They oh, may be working from home, right? No, uh,
4: no, we have no because they they actually do enjoy social interaction. They do out, software yes. engineers. Oh, yes, okay. who knew that?
0: I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, you got asked a few times, and you answered this in a sense as to why you're still in consumer banking. I mean, to the extent that people know City, they may know it as a result of your branches. Yeah. um but I guess. Why should you remain in what we call personal banking here in the United States?
4: Well, it's our home market. We serve almost 75 million customers today, um, and we're one of the leading uh, consumer lending franchises here in the States. It's a very important engine for us. It's got attractive returns. We've put a lot of investment over the years into digitizing it, um, and we're excited about both the growth, growth and return prospects there, and continuing to be a leader in it. So this is a core cool part of Citi's identity in the States, good connectivity with other businesses.
0: Right. Well, as you say, one of its key parts of his identity is as a global bank, which brings, yeah. you to, brings me to current events, unfortunate events as they are. Um, your Russian exposure, to the extent you have it, something like nine point six billion, about point three percent of your assets. What are the expectations there? Is there going to be a write-off in City's future for those
4: assets? Uh, the situation is very, very fluid at the moment uh, in uh, in well all all of the world, frankly. At the moment, right now, we are more focused on the humanitarian components. I have two hundred people in Ukraine um, who this morning opened our bank and continued helping our clients there with payroll, with food supply, with the supply chains, and bringing some of the humanitarian aid. Uh, uh, the people are extraordinary. They are, they're they just on a mission to try and make sure that we're able to support the country for this as long as we can. Is business still running there? I, it, as I say, it's more focused on humanitarian. It's more focused on food supply and non critical supply chains they there in the country, I don't think any of us know how long we'll be able to keep going, but we are determined to do everything we can to uh, to support the country. And then in terms of Russia, um, what we're seeing there is, there is a big unwind going um, for across different industries. A lot of our investors, our corporate clients are looking at what their own exposures, um, how do they reduce those down, where are we gonna see a, a decoupling of the Russian capital market financial markets and broader economy Anything from you're the concerned rest of the about world. about in terms of
0: being destabilizing or any concern for potentially the European banks that may bore more of the brunt of some of those unwinds?
4: I think we're all more worried about the humanitarian side right now than the than the financial exposures for us as I say it's it's 0.3%. It matters but there are other things that are more critical. Our teams are actively managed down the, have been managing down the exposures that we've got but we're also very much focused on serving our clients and helping them adjust to this extraordinary and horrific situation.
0: Yeah, uh, it certainly is. Another concern, of course, has been cyber. Um, the U.S. government has made that very clear. Are you surprised that perhaps there hasn't been as much as might have been anticipated? And how focused are you uh, and is the u.s. government by the way to the extent they're in touch with you on this matter in terms of protecting our financial institutions
4: i think if you ask any head of a bank or head of any of the the power companies telcos uh, and major private uh, you know, Infrastructure, this is probably our primary concern, is cyber right now, uh, domestically. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're certainly all on high alert um, and putting a lot of resources around making sure that we are protecting our institutions and making sure that key institutions in America are are in as strong a position as possible. In the event that something occurs, we're as ready as we can be and we'll help each other out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Finally, Jane, I hope this will be one of what will be a number of interviews as we track your progress. When we come back, if we ever do, are you still going to be trading at 75% of book value?
4: I think there's tremendous upside in our stock, and I'm looking forward to doing the job that's needed to get the execution done so that it gets realized.
0: All right. Well, we'll be watching and certainly appreciate your taking time with us. Thank you.
4: Thank you very much, David.
0: Jane Frazier, the CEO of Citigroup. Carl, back to you.
4: All right, good stuff, David. Um,
1: David mentioned 75 percent. Historical average on cities, 88.
3: Jeez, I can't believe how much money they have to spend, how underinvested they were. That explains a lot to me. Uh, not unlike what Jamie Dimon said. Uh, wow. I mean, it's eye-opening interview. I mean, that they could be so wrong about what about how much money had to be spent just to be able to keep the infrastructure up.
1: Well, I mean, five to six is not unlike what Diamond said a few weeks ago. But
3: but Brian Moynihan's doing three a year. He's got it all under control at at Bank of America. I mean, he didn't underinvest. He got hurt over and over again because he was spending all this money. Well, it turned out, you know, better uh, late than some of these guys are doing never, and they're really bulking up. I I think Citi is uh, correctly down, given the fact that uh, they the have duration to of money. the spend is what yes, you're it's thinking? Really
1: it's really It's an arms race, in a way,
3: yes, among it is. the major banks. Yeah, and I just think, and I want to applaud again, uh, Moynihan, who saw it coming and got much more digitized yeah. far earlier. That's something, by the way, that uh, in Trailblazer, uh, which is Mark Benioff's book, you see it. You see that they just said, you know what, we're not spending enough on this. So they just plowed all the money in. And now City has to do that. She got a bad hand. Holy cow. Uh, she had a lot of work to Really
1: do. quick on Salesforce. Uh Morgan Stanley made a note of your interview uh, with Benioff, symbolically from the Ohana floor. Would, and retor- we haven't even mentioned Google bringing back employees yes. in April.
3: But, you know, just to go over what Mark said, I mean, remember, Mark is not in the business of, of hyping his company when Ukraine's going on. He made that very clear to me. So he was very uncomfortable saying, hey, things are great, which they are, because of what's going on in the tragedy. And I, I understand that. I mean, it is very hard to be bullish when you see that Putin is killing people. And for no reason whatsoever, people are dying.
1: By the way, uh, the Ukrainians have said that uh, talks with the Russians are now in progress
3: as we speak. And when I'm hearing about Iran, my best source, uh, thank you. I I read John Ellis' fantastic newsletter, but uh, it's close. But, you know, when it comes to Iran, anybody can disable a talk. I've got uh, Verizon tonight after a very good analyst meeting. I know I would like to hear David's thoughts on that uh, because they're not as covered 5G as T-Mobile. And then I've got Block, uh, the old square. And I think a lot of people are interested in that. This block, Square Cash is doing incredibly well. But how about all these things they're doing with crypto um, and all the strange cryptos? Blow your nose, crypto, I think is coming out tomorrow.
1: Yeah, even uh, Twitter looking to decentralize with a bigger crypto presence. That's getting interesting. Well, too. Like, you
3: know, what, Gary Gensler's got his work cut out for yes. him. Yes, yes. We'll see you at 6. Yep. Uh, Bad Money, of course, with Jim Cramer, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.